Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and welcome to Mets 360 here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brian Jora, and we had an afternoon game uh, today, and uh, unfortunately the Mets were were not able to uh, put together a win streak. One night after the offense came alive, the the bats went into hibernation today. Only a ninth-inning home run got them on the board, and it was, uh, I don't don't even remember what the final was, a 12-1 drubbing, I think. Dalton, do you remember what the, uh, the final was today? Yeah, it was thanks to a cue shot at the end of the game from Brandon Nimmo that really it scraped the wall there. But it was a, it was a rough go out there today for the Amazons. And Dalton, of course, is Dalton Allison, uh, writer at uh, Mets 360. Dalton, thanks for joining us again today. And I want to get started um, talking about today's starting course, pitcher, and that was Zach Wheeler. Um, Zach uh, had a good outing uh, his last time out. And then uh, it sounds like he was uh, doing well today, and then they ran into some trouble with the field, had a little field delay, maintenance, and then it all fell apart. So what do you think about uh, Mr. Wheeler as we stand here in the middle of May? Well, up to this point in the season, he really just has been inconsistent. I mean, we see some games where he goes out there and he has his pitch command, which is absolutely vital to his success. And if he does not have his his pitch command going, he, he can't get through five innings of a game. He runs such high counts, trying to struggle to strike people out when he doesn't have his command, and it's it's a rough go for him. He's afraid to pitch to contact, and he got punished for it. Like like today, we saw him give up six runs in four innings. It was, it was a rough outing for him today, and he's one of those guys you just want him to do so well because you see glimpses of it, and then it's it, then there's games like this that make you just want to hang up the phone on him. Yeah, the the old saying, when he was good, he was very, very good. And when he was bad, he was very, very bad. And today, unfortunately, we saw the latter. And it, it's getting harder and harder to uh, hold out hope that he'd turn into the ace that uh, we thought we were acquiring when uh, we got him for Carlos Beltran all those years ago. Yeah, I mean, in, in hindsight, that – that that trade it, it's interesting to look at because I mean Beltron went on to have nice success with the the Giants of course he was he was productive towards the end of his career Carlos Beltron but I mean we thought we were getting a much higher return with Zach Wheeler and who knows if he didn't get injured where he would be right now in the the Mets rotation. Well, speaking of trade, since the last time we were here on the podcast, uh, the Mets made uh, what at one point would have been a, a pretty major trade, but it, at this point was uh, more of a ho-hum affair, and that was, of course, as uh, they dealt Matt Harvey. And just wanted to know, what were your thoughts on the Matt Harvey trade? Well, interesting, because back when the first stories would break about Matt Harvey being traded, it was just to just because he was going to leave the Mets at the end of his free at the end of his contract with them. They were going to might trade him because they didn't want him to go to another team and get nothing for him. Well, this time they're lucky to get something for him. I mean, I I would have pulled the trigger on the same trade 
considering that they got cash and a, a catcher at a position a position where they needed depth, it, it was just monumental for them to be able to pull off that trade. And, I mean, I'm grateful for Matt Harvey when he gave us the starts where we really had nothing else going for us on this team. I mean, that's when he started making his debut, that's really when David Wright started suffering all those injuries. And when he was coming up, he was just the, the one glimmer of hope that we had. And now it's it's amazing the way that he's fallen. But, I mean, I'm grateful for the early years. Obviously, as myself, most of the fan base really just got tired of him. And it was time for a, a new 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 scenery for Matt Harvey. And I think that he got that with Cincinnati. I, I don't think he'll stay there long. I'm pretty sure that's just a this year thing. But we'll see where he goes from here. Harvey uh, had a very good uh, first outing, but uh, he pitched again today and uh, again only went four innings but gave up runs this time and uh, turned in a, an outing pretty much like, well, unfortunately, what we had seen all too much of uh, here in, in 2018 and, and last year, of course, too. But as long as we're talking about the Harvey trade, let, let's talk about the, the return that they got. Uh, you mentioned they got a catcher, and that, of course, is Devin Mezzarocco. And... Uh, do you do you view him as a as an answer at catcher? Do you think he's a, a starter at catcher, or do you think he's just a placeholder until Kevin Ploiecki returns? Well, I mean, for the time being, I think he's going to be the starter. I think that they absolutely needed to get someone like Mezzarocco, a, a veteran who's not Jose Lobatone. Mezzarocco has shown that he has some some offensive power in him, and he has a he has a good background to him too. I mean, in two thousand fourteen five home runs and had 80 RBIs. So, I mean, if this trade was made back when um, back when Harvey and him were all parties, quite interesting. I mean, you look at it now, and it's like both of these players really needed a change of scenery. Both careers went downhill due to injuries, but speaking of Mezzarocco now on this team, I think when I think it's going to be interesting to see who gets the starting role, because Plowecki was off to such a terrific start this season. So, I'd I'd like to see Plowecki get an opportunity to continue that trend, but also, I mean, Mezzarocco seems to know how to pitchers, so I, it'll be interesting. I, I hope that they can learn a lot from Mezzarocco, even if he's just temporary. I'm driving the Mezzarocco bandwagon. I really like what he brings to the team from just a defensive point of view. It seems like he's getting a lot more out of these pitchers than uh, certainly than what uh, Lobaton and, and Nito were doing. Uh, he's started four games for the Mets, and in those four games, the opposition has only scored nine runs. And uh, you can say, well, you know, he hasn't caught Jason Vargas yet, and that's true. But he did catch Matt, uh, Zach Wheeler, and he did catch Steven Matz, and he's been in, in games in uh, Philadelphia and Cincinnati, which are pretty big hitter ballparks. So if he can come and, and, and get pitchers to believe in themselves and and, and give us the, the outings that we were hoping to get from the pitching staff, that'll be a huge, huge plus in, in my book. So I think the key is going to be what, how he does when he catches Jason Vargas, but I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm driving the bus. Get on the bus while you can. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting. You know, did he really have a lot of pitching talent to work with in Cincinnati? I mean, really the only pitcher that I could think of within the last – five years that was somewhat good there was Homer Bailey been on a decline. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, he gets all this, this talent or supposed to be talent now with the Mets and we'll see how he handles this, this new, um, this new pitching arsenal that he's been handed. 
Well, let's switch gears here a little bit. And then um, uh, one of the, the biggest uh, acquisitions, I guess you'd say, of the offseason was new manager Mickey Calloway. And I think that uh, pretty much all of us were very excited when the news came out that uh, we got the guy who led the uh, the Indian staff the last five years. Um, so here now, I think we're starting to, to have some people question Callaway, and I think some of his inexperience uh, leading a team in the dugout has uh, popped up here in the last couple of weeks. And I just want to know, what do you think of Mickey Callaway's performance here in his first year as a major league manager? Well, I think he's definitely learning. I mean, we started off so hot, and I think that it alters people's perception of him. I mean, especially the, the fair weather fan. I mean, if you're a, a fan who casually follows the team, nothing against fair weather fans. Cause I mean, they, they help to drive the business, but I mean, he, he started this team off so excellently and everything was firing in all cylinders. And then the reality hit and the team has struggled a little bit. And you have to look at what Calway's working with here. He has this, this, um, this pitching rotation that, he really sometimes has to squeeze to get the most out of. I mean, Noah Syndergaard, he's been good, but he hasn't been the elite, at the elite level that we all expected him to be at. I think Instagram is really the, the, the true ace here. But, I mean, all the other guys, they've, they've been so inconsistent. You never know what they're going to get out of them on a, a certain night. And then the bullpen, some, sometimes it's been absolutely awful. I mean, it's it's a completely mixed bag with what he's working with off the mound. And then offensively, there's been a lot of struggles for that. So I think Callaway coming from a market like Cleveland, not as big as New York, he's making an adjustment and it's going to take him a year or two to learn how to really work with this team. And I mean, who knows, depending on the record of the Mets at the end of the season, this team could be completely blown up or they could be chasing the wild card. So it's really, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I guess I'm a little disappointed with how he's handling the, the pitchers, specifically the starting pitchers. I thought that the move to hire somebody with a pitching background was absolutely the, the right thing for the Mets to do because their success you know, was keyed to how the pitching did. And outside of DeGrom, uh, I, I think the pitching can best be described as a disappointment. And, and maybe my expectations yep. aren't uh, – uh, fair, given that uh, you know it, it, it's only uh, six, seven weeks into the season, but to me it, it seems like more of the same. And I guess I was hoping for um, something tangible, something visible with what he was doing with the starters. And I think the only thing is he's pulling them even earlier than Collins did, and uh, I think that's gotten them in trouble a time or two. So, do you think that my expectations were unfair? No, absolutely not. I mean. So many people had the Mets in their top ten rotations at the beginning of the year, and to look at that now, it's laughable. I mean, the Mets, the, the pitchers really have not performed up to what they can actually do. I mean, Dave Island the other day, he was he made a quote about No Syndergaard saying that, really, why are you making expectations on this guy? He's only pitched for two and a half years. That's kind of interesting to think about because, yes, He's only been around for two and a half years, but you're saying that about your own guy. I, I don't know if he was trying to light a, light a flame under Syndergaard or not, but, I mean, it, it was interesting. I mean, this 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 rotation was built off of a lot of hope, but, I mean, so far the hope has failed, and Callaway hasn't really done much to aid that. 
I'm, he wore out the bullpen very quickly in the, early in the season with the with pulling the pitchers early, as you mentioned. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how staff is doing in in June, uh, in July, and August. One guy who may or may not be here in July and August is Adrian Gonzalez. Uh, every time it looks like he's done, and uh, you know we've seen certain stretches where he looks awful, he turns around and comes up with a big game. So it, it seems like he's almost living a, a charmed life. Uh, and I want to know, do you think he can hold down the first base job all season long? I think it completely depends on a, a couple of things. I mean, if the Mets are competitive come the trade deadline, I don't know if deal him. I mean, Gonzalez, he is, he's up there in age now, and he's very inconsistent, but players, but teams will still look at him and see what he did in his past in, in Los Angeles and even in San Diego and Boston. I mean, the guy from in his prime was absolutely unstoppable at the plate, and that type of leadership is absolutely crucial. I mean, we saw the Dodgers pick up an aging Curtis Granderson last season from the Mets, and they used him in the postseason, and I think that's exactly what would happen with someone like Gonzalez. But I think it's it's also also dependent on what happens down in, in the minors. I mean, Alonzo's just on fire. And, I mean, how long can you actually contain that before you say, you know, we have to bring this kid up, see what he can do at the major league level, because right now the first base position has been a struggle for the Mets. Pleased to hear you think that there might be another sucker, I mean, another team out there that would take Gonzalez off of our hands. <laughs> because I do think that I do think that it's time to, to see what the uh, the Dominic Smiths and maybe even, like you mentioned, the Peter Alonzos can do. Um, you know, I, I always root for the guys who are on the Mets, but when, when Gonzalez has uh, 10 days in a row where he's terrible and then breaks through with a three-hit game, I'm thinking, oh, God, that sets, that sets the clock back another three weeks. He's, he's going to be here that much longer because of this one big game that they just had. And, and I hate feeling that way, but I, I just don't see him being a, a anything close to a, a year-long solution, and I think the, the sooner that they cut ties with him, the better. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the plus with him is that he's on the veterans' minimum. So even if something were to happen, he's very – He's he's cheap. He's disposable right now, so I, that's the only positive out of the situation. He's not going to be around next year's. No, without a doubt, he's not going to be around. So even if he had a great season this year, he wasn't going to be around next year. So by the end of the season, it's probably going to be either Smith or Alonzo holding down the fort at first base. Now he's not on the uh, veterans minimum, but uh, one guy that uh, certainly has. Uh, caused a fair share of, of hand-wringing is Jason Vargas, who was brought in to be a, a stabilizing force for the rotation and innings eater. And uh, the only thing uh, he he eats, or I guess he serves up meatballs, he doesn't eat them. He's got uh, a double-digit yeah. ERA and, and really does not look good at all. So how patient should the Mets be with Jason Vargas? Oh, well, I don't know about you, but he's honestly, he's, been getting on my last nerves after the second start. I mean, the guy, he just—he goes out there on the mound, and he—you he, can see it. it's like he does not want to be there. And I—I just—I don't understand it. I mean, he shows no energy when he pitches. And I—I I was talking in the off season that the Mets had to do something. They had to acquire a starting veteran pitcher, and Vargas was not at the top of my list just based on the fact he struggled 
towards the end of last season. I mean, he got absolutely lit up once guys figured out how to hit him, and really the scouting report never went away on him, and he's here now, and he's just getting destroyed. It's it's terrible the way he's going out there, and then the, it's when you take him out early, you have to put someone in long relief in the bullpen, and that just leads to a, a just a disaster in the game, and then it, it, you feel like when you go to see Vargas at the ballpark now, you know you're going for a loss, and that's just so so demoralizing. I mean, I don't know how through the Mets offense you don't watch him go out there and you don't think, wow, you know, we're going to get lit up today. It's 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 challenging to watch him pitch. I mean, the, the guy shows no energy on the mound, and his, he just throws it right over the plate for everyone to hit. I just I'm very frustrated with him at the moment. To me, an interesting thing will be what happens when he gets to pitch to someone besides backup and minor league guys because he didn't get he, – he missed the start of the, the year because of the hand injury he suffered in spring training. So he didn't get to pitch to Floecki. He didn't get to pitch to Darno. So what happens when he pitches to Devin Mezzarocco? Can Mezzarocco coax something out of Vargas that uh, both Lobaton and Nito were unable to do? And we've seen that um, Zach Wheeler had a, a nice outing when uh, Mezzarocco was behind the plate. And then today we got Nito and, and we got bad Wheeler. So, I mean, maybe it's just a big coincidence. Maybe there's something there. But if I'm Jason Vargas, you know, I've, I've got to be worried about my spot in the rotation and whatever it takes to, to, to get a good outing, man, he needs to do it because I can't imagine them giving him more than a couple of uh, more starts if he keeps throwing beach balls up there like he has been. Yeah, I mean, his starts are absolutely brutal to watch. And hopefully, as you mentioned, Miserocco can kind of resurrect the Vargas that happened at the beginning of last season when he was on his game. And that's when he racked up the majority of his American League leading 18 wins, I think it was. So I, we'll see what happens. I mean, Vargas was not at the top of my list, but the guy who was at the top of my list, Lance Lynn, has been on the DL constantly. So, I mean, the the um, – the veteran starting pitchers market was not as good as advertised during this off season. You know, Lance Lynn took the the, the loss today uh, against his uh, old teammate, the Cardinals. But you wonder with some of these guys, if signing so late in the year impacted what they were able to do in, in preparation for spring training and in spring training. But you see guys like Alex Cobb and Lance Lynn and Jason Vargas just, just aren't doing well at all. You can even put you Darvish in that, uh, uh, in that category too. the, of all of the pitchers that were, uh, were hyped and talked about in, in the free agent market. Only Jake Arrieta has, uh, has put up a, a, a good year so far. So something to watch going forward. But I want to talk about uh, offense right now. And, and in the past few years, uh, one of the big complaints about the Mets is that they were too reliant on home runs. And then this year we're seeing almost the exact opposite. They're not one of the top teams in the league in homers. They're one of the bottom teams in, in the league in homers. And and do you think we'll see more homers for the team going forward or, or do you think this is the, the new reality for the for the Mets offense? I think eventually they'll break out and hit more home runs. I mean the weather up here in the, the, the tri state area has just been absolutely temperamental. I mean it it would be hard to hit I mean there were a couple home runs hit today but I mean this this weather just it's not it's not made for players like the Mets have. And that's, that's obviously a problem. I mean, the Mets are a very 
the way they're built, they're built to play in good weather conditions. And honestly, they've had horrible weather conditions. I mean, that's no excuse, but that's simply the reality. They're they're built for better weather games, and it, it's showing in the power numbers. I mean, Cespedes should have more home runs than he has. Jay Bruce only has, I think, three home runs, and that's that's a big problem, especially when you were considering having him as your cleanup hitter for the the majority of the three hitter wherever Callaway decided to hit him on the day. But I mean, you expected him him and Cespedes between the two of them to hit sixty, and right now that just seems impossible. We've got uh, injuries to to factor into the equation too. Uh, of course, Cespedes and uh, Todd Frazier on are on the DL right now, and and Jay Bruce has been nursing the plantar fasciitis, and uh, tough to hit home runs when uh, you're not feeling a hundred percent. So, hopefully, with better weather and better health, that uh, the Mets offense can turn it around because I do think that uh, they need to. Uh, hit some balls over the wall if they're going to be uh, an offense in the top half of the league. Yeah, they they are built for the long ball, and I think as the season progresses, they'll hit more long balls, but right now they, they really just need something really bad. All right, well, we have reached the uh, crazy prediction time of the show. Um, I'm going to give you a crazy prediction and then ask you to give me uh, your comment on my prediction and then uh, we'll flip roles where I'll ask you to give me uh, your crazy prediction and uh, I'll tell you what I think. So here's mine. I, I, um, recently the Mets called up um, defensive whiz Luis Guillorme, um, I think because Frazier went on the DL. Uh, and he, he's gotten limited uh, time but uh, seems to have, have held his own. And my crazy prediction is that uh, even when Frazier comes back, that Luis Guillorme does not go down and he does not play another game in the minors in the rest of his career. So I want to know from you, how crazy is that? I don't think that is very crazy. I think that he's going to slip right into the role that Jose Reyes currently has. I mean, Reyes started off the season slow and he's kind of built his way back up. But at this point, I would much rather see Guillorme go out there than Reyes. I mean, the guy, is fantastic. He has an interesting swing, too. I love to watch him swing. I, I like the the top hand that he uses, and I think right now, in his, uh, all of his at-bats so far this season, he's had a hit. I mean, obviously, he's not going to have a, a 1,000 career average for the rest of his, his career, but I mean, the guy's the guy's fun to watch, and I'd, at this point in Jose Reyes' career, I'd, re- I'd much rather watch Jerome play than I would watch Reyes play, and when Frazier comes back, one of them is has to one of them is going to have to go, and I think the guy that's going to have to go is going to be Reyes. All right. Well, you didn't think mine was crazy. Show me what a crazy prediction looks like. I think that if the Mets are competitive at the trade deadline, they're going to do their best to acquire Bartolo Colon and have him on the roster for the rest of the season. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, you know, I, uh, I know a lot of people have, have – great, wonderful, warm, fuzzy memories of Bartolo Cologne. And I'm not one of those people. Uh, I, I absolutely love the uh, behind-the-back uh, flip that uh, that he did uh, a couple of years ago for the Mets. Wonderful moment. Um, I loved how excited Gary Cohen got when he hit the home run. You know, another wonderful moment. But um, I don't want to do anything to uh, tarnish those wonderful moments. I don't, I don't want to see Big Sexy back on the Mets 
although I do understand that he had a, a very nice game today. I think he uh, threw like seven uh, scoreless innings for the Rangers today. But uh, to yeah, me, he's, um, he's been terrific. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to send for the, for the man with the, uh, padded suits. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stamp that one crazy. I, I don't see, I don't see any way that, uh, Cologne comes back on the Mets. Although, uh, I know it would make a lot of people very happy to see that. It would make people happy. And he honestly, right now, I'd rather see him go out there than, than, um, than Jason Vargas. I mean, Cologne, at least we know, he's able to find himself after he gets into a little bit of trouble. And I mean, I was watching a Sunday night game earlier in the season, and he, he took the Astros very deep into a no-hitter, and that was shocking to see. And I mean, seven, seven innings scoreless again today. I mean, it seems like that, that he's on a mission to get the, the Dominican wins record, and I think he will achieve that. And I'd, I'd love to see it happen in a Mets uniform, but I'd only see it happening if they were competitive just because they need that starter. Yeah, there was, the hope was that he was going to break uh, Juan Marichal's record last year already. And, you know, in in uh, my mean-spirited way, I've always thought that if and when uh, Cologne got the record, which I, I do agree with you, I think that that means something to him. But my mean-spirited way was he was going to win that he was going to he was going to win the game to give him the record, and and then he was going to like tear off his jersey right on the mound and just sit down and eat like 20 hamburgers and announce his retirement right then and there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, once he reaches that plateau, he's not going to pitch anymore. I mean, he's just having fun at this point. All right, well, as long as we're talking about uh, starting pitchers, and, and we uh, touched on this briefly earlier, do you feel like uh, Mickey Calloway and Dave Island are, are babying their starting pitchers too much, or, or do you think that you, know, they, you, you, can't, uh, you can't make chicken salad from chicken you know, excrement? Um, so what do you think about the, uh, the starting pitchers and the way the manager is handling them? I think because it's their first year with this staff, they have no faith or trust in them, and that's reflecting on the mound. I mean, I think these these uh, these starting pitchers, they feel like they're under a lot of pressure, but they really, really have to impress their managers if they want to stay in this game, and that's leading to them making some mistakes that they wouldn't normally make. I mean, you don't want to you don't want to risk getting yanked early in a game, and these Mickey Callaway and Dave Island, they will not hesitate to yank you early from a game. So I think that has a lot to do with it. They are babying them, but they also have no trust in their starters right now. And they really, they really need to build that trust up with the, between the managers and the players. I mean, Mickey Callaway, supposedly he's great with the, all the starting pitchers, but I mean, I really, besides the talk, I really haven't seen that kind of relationship between the two. And it's, it's, it's interesting to see. You bring up uh, a good point uh, in that he's, coming at things from a, a new point of view and, and perhaps doesn't have the same trust that someone like a Dan Worthen or a, a Terry Collins who've been there for so long and had even in Collins's case watched some of these guys in the minor leagues. So they're, they're, you're right. I, I think you're right. I think there's not that trust issue, but um, I, we need to have someone not quite so suspicious of them too, I would, I would say. I mean, it, it's all right if you don't want to give them blind trust, but you've got to give them the chance to, to earn that trust, and I don't feel like he's done a particularly good job in, in that regard where it seems to me that the 
the the pitching brain trust is looking for reasons to pull starters rather than looking for reasons to keep them in the game. And um, I don't know, it's just not the way that I would do it. Right. You know, if he, here's the thing, the difference between Terry Collins and Mickey Calloway is that Terry Collins, he, he had a heart, you know, he, he went in there with heart and he made a lot of decisions based on emotion and based how he knew the guys were feeling. Mickey Calloway is strictly analytical and, I think it's interesting because if Mickey Callaway was the manager of the 2015 Mets, in Game 5 of the World Series, Matt Harvey is not going back out there for the ninth inning. He is putting in the, the pitcher who has the best numbers against that particular set of the Royals lineup, and Harvey is not going out there for that ninth inning. Then I think that's the difference between Collins and Callaway is that Collins will play into a motion and Mickey Callaway will completely shut it down. Well, we have about a minute left, so let's see if we can get one more question in here. And I want to know from you, we have saw the Mets get off to such a great start, and, and now they're scuffling. Is there any one change that you would do to try to jumpstart the squad to get back to to that hot start that they had? I would just, honestly, I would set a lineup and keep it going for a few days. I mean, they change the lineup so often on this team. They really don't give a guy's don't give guys a chance to, to gel in a certain spot in the lineup. I mean, Rosario's been a solid ninth hitter. He's batting over 300 in the ninth position, so keep him there. But really keep guys in the same position in the batting order, and they'll get used to their role, and then hopefully they'll start picking up the pace again. Well, we are all out of time. I'd like to uh, thank our guest, Dalton Allison, for joining us tonight. And you can read Dalton over at Mets 360, and his normal uh, day to publish is on Saturdays. And, and Dalton, any idea what uh, the next topic will be? The, um, how good Rosario has been in the ninth slot. I heard Howie Rose talk about it today, and um, I think I'm going to go towards that angle. That, that's, I think I'll approach that this weekend. Fabulous. We will look forward to to reading that. And everyone, thanks for tuning in, and please join us again uh, next Wednesday night at 11 p.m. Eastern. Until then, good night and goodbye.